Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Second Peter, chapter number one, I'm actually going to kind of step aside from our uh, messages on unity this morning. Uh, I could not get, I just could not get where I wanted to be uh, on the, me- the next message that I had that the Lord had kind of put on my heart for that thought. And I finally said, okay, Lord, you know, what's, what, what am I doing wrong here? What's going on? And he took me to a different direction. So I'm going to try to follow the Lord's leadership this morning. And, um, it's a little bit different a message from what I've been preaching lately, but I hope that the Lord will use it to reach somebody's heart today. Uh, the truth is, when we come to church, uh, I am your pastor, and it is my job to get up and preach. It's my responsibility to do that. I mean, that, for me to be faithful in the position the Lord has given me, I've got to do that. I've got to be willing, the Bible says, being instant in season and out of season, right? That we come in, and regardless of, of how, how we might feel or anything like that, it's my responsibility to preach. But I don't want to just come and fill my role and go home. If I get up here and I just, well, I've got to fill an hour or a half hour or whatever, some of y'all are saying, yeah, half hour. Then I'm wasting my time. And I'm wasting your time. I, I, I've got no interest in uh, just talking for a little while, all of us getting a little feel good or a little bit of something, something, and going home. My interest, my desire, is that the Lord would help you. Amen. That's my desire. You need help. I need help. And I'm going to tell you, most of the help I've got in my life has come through preaching. I thank the Lord for singing. And there's been plenty of times where the Lord has spoke to my heart through a song, and, and I've gone to the altar, and the Lord has just touched me. But, man, preaching is how the Lord cuts right down to what we need. My desire this morning is that you'd get some help. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse number 12, I'll read to you here. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that shortly... I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory, When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come once more into your house. Thank you, God, for bringing these people together. Lord, for allowing us to come to this church, to this place, Lord, where you've met with us. God, where you've spoken to us, and Lord, we ask once again, humbly, do we ask that you'd speak to us once more. God, we ask that you'd fill me with your Spirit. Help me, God, that I might preach with the power of the Spirit and the authority of the Word of God this morning. God, that my words would not fall on deaf ears this morning. God, that we would not be hearers of the Word only, but we would be doers also. Help us, Lord, today to hear your Word. Help our hearts to be open to the preached Word. Speak to us and touch us. We love you. We need you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, Peter is writing uh, his second epistle. And as he does so, 
He tells them that he believes as long as he is alive, it is his responsibility to put them in remembrance of some things. And he begins to to talk about how important it is that, that they remember because there's going to come a time when he'll no longer be around to remind them. Amen? He said that there's coming a time, the Lord showed me, and he did, when I, he said, after my decease, it's my desire that even after my decease, that you will have these things always in remembrance. And he's going to talk about a lot of things that he wants them to remember. But the first thing that he mentions that he wants to remind them of, that he does not want them to forget, comes in verse number 16, where he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, the thought I want to bring to you is I want to speak on the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord. Specifically in our lives, how that God often, and I would even say most often, exercises power in our lives. And it is the way that we need Him to exercise His power. In fact, I would go as far as to say that if we cannot remind ourselves and we cannot remember the power of God that is available to us in our everyday lives, then we're not going to make it. There's going to come a time when the preacher's not around. There'll be a time when your mom or your dad is no longer around or, or you know, the, your grandparents or, or whoever that person is in your life that, that you look at as that sort of spiritual uh, you know, lightning rod, that one that, that brought the power of God to you, that showed you the right way and that, that leads you. And you know, if you had a question, you'd call them up and, and you need help. Amen. Christians need to learn, and not just learn, but remember and write it in their hearts and never forget that if we do not have God's power in this life, then we have nothing. If we don't have the power of the Lord in our daily lives, then what do we have? In this passage, Peter, he speaks to them about how that they brought the message to them concerning the power of the Lord. And when he did that in verse 17 and verse 16, he was referencing a very specific moment when he said that he received from God the Father honor and glory, where there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice came from heaven, we heard, uh, when we were with him in the holy mountain. That, that passage, you can find in Luke chapter 9, you can turn there with me if you'd like, to Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, the Lord pulls aside Peter, James, and John, and He takes them up onto a mountain to pray. And while they're up there, this is the account of what we often call the, the Mount of Transfiguration. That there on top of that mountain in Luke chapter 9 from verse 28 down through verse 36, the Lord takes these three men up on the mountain to pray, and while they are there, the Lord Jesus is transfigured before them to reveal Himself to them in His full power. And if there was any doubt in their hearts before that moment of who He really was, there was no doubt after that moment. And this isn't the message, but can I say today there should be a moment in your life where the Lord showed Himself in such power that from that moment forward you never doubted again if He really was who He said He was. But that's what it was for Peter and James and John. And, and they saw Jesus there. They also saw Elijah and Moses. And, and Peter got so zealous and so hyped up, he said, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And he was just so caught up in it that he didn't even really understand what he was seeing. And that is when God the Father spoke out from heaven in a cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Now can I say, when, when the Lord God the Father spoke that to Peter, He was saying, Elijah is great and Moses is great, but Jesus is the one you need to hear. Jesus is the one 
that you need to hear and that you need to listen to and that you need to look to. Amen. As they come down off that mountain and the Lord Jesus has shown His power to Peter, James, and John in a way that no other men had ever seen, they come down off the mountain in verse 37 and it came to pass on the next day when they were come down from the hill that much people met Him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out. And it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. Verse 43. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. They were amazed. You think when Peter, James, and John were on the mountain and they saw the Lord there in His full glory transfigured before them, as a figure of light and has as a as a figure of power, do you think they were amazed? And then Jesus came down off the mountain to find out that the other disciples who were supposed to be doing the work of God and, and exercising the power of God are, are failing to do so because of the perversion in their hearts and the faithlessness in them. And so the Lord steps up and seeing this boy that uh, it, to everyone's sight is basically hopeless being torn by a devil inside of him. The Lord rebukes the devil, gets the boy, takes him to his father. And then it said they were all amazed again at the mighty power of God. That word amazed, if you look it up in the Webster's 1828 dictionary, it defines it as this, to amaze is to confound with fear, sudden surprise or wonder, to astonish. This word implies astonishment or perplexity, listen to this, arising from something extraordinary, unexpected, unaccountable, or frightful. Can I tell you this morning that the power of God is extraordinary? It's unexpected. It's unaccountable. And it's frightful. Now, we want to focus on extraordinary. That's the part that we like to focus on. And aren't you glad that it is? But it's also unexpected, unaccountable, and frightful. The power of God ought to produce a reaction in you. When you are in the presence of the power of God, and when you are hearing about the power of God, it should not be boring. It should not pass you by. It should cause a reaction in you. None of those folk around that boy were touched by the power of God in that moment but him. He's the only one who received the power of God in his own body, and yet there was a reaction in everyone around Him. Amen. The power of God is something that should be amazing, especially in Christians. We should never look on the power of God as old hat. Amen. As just something that happens. Oh, somebody got saved? Well, isn't that nice? No, it's not nice. That's extraordinary. That's unaccountable. Amen. It's unexpected that the God of heaven would come down to where we are and save us. Why would He do that? That doesn't make sense. It's amazing. I want to talk to you a couple things. First, I want you to see His power to fix what's damaged. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary how that God when He inserts Himself into broken situations, things get fixed. It is extraordinary how that God, when He inserts Himself into broken situations, they get fixed. 
that people are affected by Him, that they are influenced by Him, and that His power has an effect. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus is quoting the book of Isaiah, and He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's His power. He's come to deliver the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. You know who Isaiah was talking about? Jesus. And when He came, you know what He did? All of that and more. That He showed His mighty power in doing things that no one else could do. His power to fix what's damaged. We want God in our lives and we want to see the power of God in our lives. You know what we need to do? Take our hands off all our problems and put them in God's hands. There are men across the world doing everything they can to fix every little thing and they wonder why it's not working. The medicine's not working. The, 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 the counseling's not working. The politicians, it's not working. All the problems, it's not working. They put a band-aid here and they put a band-aid there. You've seen the cartoons like with Bugs Bunny where they're in the boat and there's a hole in the boat and they stick a finger there and another pop, one pops out here and then they got a finger there and they got a toe here and they got a nose here and before you know it, there's a million holes. That's what the world's trying to do. Trying to fix our problems. We're trying to take broken pieces and put them back together and we just can't figure it out. You know why? We didn't make it. God did. He's the one that made it. He's the one that knows what to do with the broken pieces. Not me and not you. There's no book that'll tell you how to fix everything. There's not. You can't even take the Bible and fix it yourself. You need God to fix it. You need His power to fix it. It's extraordinary what He can do when we just let Him do it. Amen. His power to fix what's damaged. You need to bring Him your broken heart. Jesus literally said, I'm come. He sent me to heal the broken hearted. Have you ever seen such a day with so many broken hearts? We're troubled on every side. Are we not? I mean, there, is, there are broken people on every side. They're turning to drugs. They're turning both legal and illegal. They're turning to alcohol. They're turning to companionship. They're turning to this side. They're turning to that side. And they're never turning to God. And He is the one who was literally sent to heal broken hearts. That's one of His many jobs. And He's excellent at it. But we're just not bringing our hearts to Him. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You want to get God's attention? Come to with a broken heart. You, you want to wonder why your prayers don't seem to be getting through and, and you don't seem to be getting any help? Well, maybe you're not coming to Him with a broken heart. You're coming to Him dry and it formulaic. Well, God, I need You, Lord. And he's listening, but he's looking, he's waiting for your heart to break. Amen. He wants to heal your broken heart. That's what he wants. He wants to reach down and fix you. Isn't that something? God wants to fix you. That he wants to fix me. That he wants to heal those broken pieces inside of us. And those of us who, who, who have no hope or, or are wandering side to side and, and are looking left to right and trying to find out what way is the right way, God wants to help you. You just need to come to Him. Bring Him your broken heart. You need to bring Him your broken homes. So many people across America doing everything they can to try and hold their lives together without God. That's not going to work. You take God out of the equation... And you're going to find out eventually everything you're building on is going to run out. 
That's why the Bible tells us in Psalm 127.1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Amen. 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 They labor in vain that build it. Reminds me of that parable that the Lord gave about the foolish man and the wise man and how that the wise man built his house on a rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. Here's what happened. The storm, the rain, the winds, they came to both but only one fell down. In life, I don't know if y'all know this, but being a husband, or being a wife, being a father, being a mother, it's a tough job. Sometimes it's real tough. Because in life, things happen. You know, you get married and you go, or you have kids and you think, man, it's just going to be wonderful. And, and you know, I remember when we were pregnant with Peyton and we were waiting for her to come along and we are really excited and, we're looking at all the other young families around us and we're like, man, I'm never going to do that with my kid. I will never let my kid act like that, bless God. And then God sent Peyton. And I said, okay, Lord, please don't let her act like that. Because I realize that it's not as easy as it looks. Amen. And all the books you read and all the seminars you went to and all the things that you, the videos you watch on YouTube or whatever, and you think, oh man, I got this. No, you don't got anything figured out. And that kid comes into your life and they make you realize you've got no hope. You are hopeless. You are not good at this. What were they thinking? When, my, when I looked at my wife, the third day we were in the hospital with papers, send us home, and they walked out and they're bringing us papers. I said, are they really going to let us just take her home with us? Like, don't we have to, like, take a class or get certified for this? No. They just let you take a human life home with you. Well, hope you do good. You know, hope they don't, you know, fall off a cliff or something while on your watch or, you know, here you go. And then you realize, wow, what a responsibility this is. And then you realize, I'm very bad at this. I'm doing things I shouldn't. I'm saying things I shouldn't. I'm... I'm acting ways I shouldn't, and God, I need help. And you know what you find out? If you don't, if you don't, I found this out pretty quick. If you don't build the lives of your children on the Word of God and on church and on God, you're going to find yourself in a place where you're going to be lost. I may mess up a lot of things, but if God will help me, I never want to mess up her in this place. I want God to be first in my daughter's life and in my son's life. And when they were born, we dedicated them to the Lord. We brought them before the church in our home church. And, and, and my dad preached basically straight in our faces with, a, with some verses about raising children right. And then we prayed and prayed, God, with your help, we will raise them for you. If you'll help, we will always raise them for you. Because you know what I realized and what... What is a fact, and we all need to realize this, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. There's no amount of you sitting down and talking with your children that'll help them if you don't have them in church. There's no amount of, of anything you can do if you don't got your kids in church. They need God. Amen. Look out there at what's happening to the children of America who were not put in the pew, who were not told the gospel who were not given the truth of the Word of God, who were built on sand, and look what their children are doing. We need God's help. And He can take those things that are broken, that broken home. You say, well, Brother Paul, my kids are a mess, and, and this is a mess. Bring them to God. God can fix it. Yes, He can. He can. And we need Him too. Brother Tim's been teaching on the home, and I've been catching some of it here and there when I could. And, and I'm just going to tell you right now, we need God in our homes. And we don't just need Him to be there, we need Him to be the foundation of our homes. And if He's not, well, you're laboring in vain. Bring it to God. Bring Him your broken heart and your broken home and your broken health, spiritual and physical. Those things in your life that are broken and that are not whole and that are not where they need to be. Say, Brother Paul, I feel empty, or I feel alone, or I feel depressed. Come to God. Come to God. When did we stop coming to God? He is our number one resource. Amen. 
He is able with His power to fix those things in our lives that are broken. That's His job. To fix what's damaged. Secondly, we see not only His power to fix what's damaged, we see His power to feel your distress. It's unexpected. It's not only extraordinary how that He can put His hand and reach down into our lives and fix things that we've been trying to fix and going, I don't see a way. Aren't you glad that when I can see no way, He makes a way? Not only that, we see His power to feel our distresses. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then we, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know what the problem with the ideology of Catholicism and other faiths that require you to come to a man to confess your sins and receive forgiveness is the one you're confessing to also has sin. But there's also a problem with a God high up who has never felt the way you feel as God the Father looks down and cannot bear sin. He hates it. God the Father hates sin. He despises sin. That's why when Jesus hung on the cross, He cried out, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? Because as Christ became sin, the Father could not bear to look upon Him. But now Jesus, the Son of God, He was in all points tempted like as we are. You know what that means? He felt tired. He felt hungry. Weak. He felt pain. And loss. When they came to Him and told Him that Lazarus had died, and he wept. You know why he wept? It's not because Lazarus was gone. Lazarus wasn't gone. Lazarus was just a cry away. It's because he looked in their hearts and he felt their pain, their suffering, their sorrow, their unbelief. He felt what they felt. And did you know today that Jesus feels what you feel? When you feel afraid, He can look down and goes, oh yeah, I remember that. When you're tired, you cry out to Him. When you feel confused, He looks down and says, yeah, I remember that. He can feel your distress. Not only that, He can hear you. Isaiah 59, one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is His ear heavy that it cannot hear. He can hear you. When you are trying to talk to that one you love and it seems like they just can't, they can't get it. They can't understand why you feel that way, and they can't feel the way you feel, and, and they can't see what you see. God can. Are you all with me this morning? I don't know if you know this, but there's someone just right there waiting with his ear inclined down toward you, and all he wants is for you to look up at him and say, Lord, this is how I feel. And he'll say, I felt that way. He can hear you. He can help you. He actually has the power to help you. We have listened to the lies of the world so much that we've convinced ourselves that He's not going to help us. Has He not helped us before? So, well, not everything I've ever prayed for has God given me. Well, you know what? You probably didn't need it then. 
But how many things has he? Lord, watch over us as we travel today. We, we say that so lightly. You know how many people die every day between here and home? Between here and work? Between here and vacation or here and there? How, how often do we set out on those roads? And how often do we say, Lord, protect us, Lord, watch over us? We get in the car and we've got our children and we say, God, protect us on the roads. And God protects you and keeps you and your children safe every single time we think, well, that's no big deal. Somebody else out there suffering today. Sure not. You know why? Because He hears you. I sat... Sat in the passenger seat. Or no, I was driving. I drove. We went to E-Town two years ago. We went out with some friends of ours, family. and My phone started ringing, and it was Brother Gordon Berry. He was our assistant pastor, and uh, I didn't answer it. I thought it was probably nothing. I clicked the button, and uh, he immediately called back, and I thought, oh, no. Peyton was with my mom and dad. Uh, they kept her while we had gone out. I stepped out and answered the phone call. My wife came out behind me. Just a couple minutes later, my parents had been in a car accident. The first thing he said is, Peyton's okay. Your dad's okay. Your mom's hurting in her chest. They're going to take her to the hospital get her checked out. But it seems like everybody's okay. And I thought, okay. When my wife came out, she was talking to my dad. And he said, your mom, Lisa's not okay. Uh... We had a 45-minute drive from there to where they were, and the last thing I heard my dad say is, when I saw her last, she was still alive. And for 40 minutes, I prayed. I mean, all I could do was pray. And I cried, and I prayed. God, I'm not ready to say goodbye to my mother. I was thankful. Lord, thank you, Dad's okay. Thank you, God, my little girl's okay. God, please, if, if you don't have to, don't take my mother. And he didn't. You know why? Because I prayed. It ain't because I'm some spiritual warrior. It's just because I prayed and, and he decided... Answer my prayer. What if I hadn't? My mom, some of y'all met her. She walks with a limp. Her shoulder hangs down. She's got rods and screws and bolts up down both legs, which were broken. Broken ribs, broken collarbone. She was beat up and broken had vein damage. How easy would it have been for one of those veins to just heal? But it didn't. You know why? Well, it's just the way it went. No. It's because He feels our distresses. When she was in that ambulance and they were taking her to that hospital and then she laid in there and hurt, and they loaded her up in that helicopter and they flew her from Taylor County to Vanderbilt in Nashville. In the air, her blood pressure spiked. My mom had a heart attack when she was 35, I think 36. She got heart problems in her family and at any moment, that vapor could have just... But it didn't. And if it had of, God would have still been good. And then I'd have been crying out for help in my heart and help in my distress. And he'd have heard me. But he decided in that moment to just give extra grace. As I cried out, and my dad cried out, and my brother and my sister and, and our families and our friends, we all cried out. And, Texts went out across the world to people we know pray for Lisa. She's been hurt and they don't know what's going to happen. And God 
the Lord Jesus looking down, hears, and he hurts with us. And he helps. That's his power. That's why he's come to comfort, to help, to guide. And yeah, there'll come a moment, there'll come a point when it'll be time and the Lord will call her home, and my dad home, or my grandparents, or me, or you. And our times come. But how many times has the Lord, out of just grace, given you more time, more help? See, I don't think God does that when it's time and He, he decides something, He's going to do it. Read the Old Testament. Read how many times the Lord said, step back, Moses, I'm going to kill all of them and I'll start over. And then Moses fell on his face and cried out before God, Lord, please don't. And the Lord said, okay, because you asked, I won't. You think he don't want to just hear you ask? You think he don't want to, he don't want to feel what you feel and he don't want to see your tears and he don't want to hear your distress? He does. That's his business. Your hurt is his business. He wants to hear that. And He wants to be there for you. He wants to help you. The reason some of you have got children today and you've got your husband or your wife or you've got this one or that one and they're here today is just because God heard you when you were hurting. He hears. He can help you. And He can hold you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Sometimes when the way is hard, what we need to do is what Peter said, and remember, he's right there. Instead, we try to just, we don't tell anyone. Oh, I, I'm hurting and I'm afraid. And I'm tired and I'm sick and I'm low. And I, but I, I'll just, I'll just tough it out. No, don't do that. Go to God. Go to Him. He's right there waiting to hear it. His power, not only to fix what's damaged, not only to feel your distress, but thirdly, His power to forgive your debts. His power is extraordinary. His power is unexpected, but it's also unaccountable. You know what that means? You just can't even fathom it. You can't take measure of it. You can't figure it out. And if there's something I can't figure out, it's verse John, chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's like the account the Lord gave in Matthew chapter 18 of the servant that came to His Lord and that he owed him a debt that was so exorbitant, so huge and so big that he could not pay it, that the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had just to get what little back that he could. And then that servant fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion. Listen to what he said. And loosed him and forgave him the debt. That servant said, Lord, I'll do what I can. I'll try. I'll try to pay you back if you'll just give me more time. And because of compassion, the master forgave all his debt. That's unaccountable. What would you do if your bank called you up today and said, hey, we, had, uh, we took a look at our books today and we just decided we don't need any more mortgage payments from you. Amen. What would you think? Is this a prank? Who am I talking to? What's your first and last name and credentials? I'm going to need a phone number of your superior. I'm going to need a lemony dis in writing. Amen. Because in your mind, you'd think, that'll never happen. And you're probably right concerning the mortgage. Amen. But that's exactly what happened when you bowed your head and said, Lord, forgive me. That's what He did. He gave you an account that was full of sin, and he just marked it out and put a zero. And there it'll stay forever. A zero. Amen. Every time you sin and you try to put more in that account, the Lord says, no, I cleanse this one. 
It's gone. It's out. There's no more sin on their mark. No, no more sin on their account. There'll be no more holding against them. They've got a, a doorway to heaven, a path right here with me one day. That's what's going to happen. There's no going back from here. And he just forgave your debt. The whole thing just marked it clean. And some of us might say, well, you know, I had I, done this or I had done that. But here's the thing. We were all fallen. All of us. Like that servant there in verse 24 and how that, that he owed him. It said 10,000 talents. And the, the equivalency of that, as we often look at it, is that talent was about a year's wage. 10,000 years wages. Some say it's a little less than that. Okay, let's say it was half a year's wage. 5,000 years wages. Any of y'all going to live to 5,000? <laughs> I'll be lucky to make it to 60. If I can keep Amen. But here's the fact of it. That debt was insurmountable. It was unaccountable. There's no way to figure it out. And that is exactly what this debt was. Whether you were this far or that far or never gone all that far at all, there was nothing you could do to cleanse your debt. And the Lord wiped it clean. We were all fallen. But He's faithful. He's faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now... We're free. That's what John said there as he wrote these words of Jesus in chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed. Brother Paul, I did it again. I messed up again and I did the wrong thing, amen, and you know what? That, that was bad, and you need to do better, and you need to ask the Lord to help you, but I've got some good news. If you've been saved, you're saved forever. If you've been forgiven, you're free indeed. Amen. That God in heaven looking down, that He loved us enough that He'd send His only Son to die for our sins so that He could empower the gift of forgiveness. Amen. Some of us will be a lot more excited about that mortgage than we are about our sin. But I'll tell you something right now. There's no debt on earth that will cost you more than the debt of sin. And there's no loan forgiveness on earth that will do more for you than the Lord Jesus forgiving your sins in heaven by the blood of Christ. Nothing in life will ever be better than that. And here's the fact of the matter. We need the power of God to fix what's damaged, to feel our distresses, to forgive our debts. And finally, we need to understand something about His power. He has the power to facilitate our destruction. So, well, that's different. Can I tell you this morning that God in His mercy does not bring wrath on us. But we can do things to put ourselves in the path of destruction. Look at Job. Oh, God loves us. He'd never... Look at Job. He didn't just lose his house, his money, and his land. He lost all of his children. All of them. In one bad wife said, curse God and die. Well, let's not be too hard on her. I'd never get there. I don't know what I would do if in one day I lost my car, my house, my bank account, all my clothes, everything I own burned down before me as well as my I could survive the car and the house and the clothes. Children, I don't know what I'd do. God can, He can facilitate our destruction. 
The Bible says it like this in Lamentations chapter 3. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Amen. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. In first, I'm sorry, in 2 Peter chapter 3, in the next two chapters over from where we read at the beginning, and I'm almost done this morning. Peter wrote these words, starting in verse number 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He's still talking about that remembrance. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Peter's saying this. Now there's people going to stand around in this day saying, Ah, Jesus ain't coming. Uh, they've been saying that from the beginning. They, they've been saying that since our fathers. They've been saying that for years, and He ain't come yet. He's not coming. Jesus isn't coming. God doesn't exist. None of this is going to happen. We're fine. Everything's still going just like it always has. But Peter said, but you're forgetting that the only reason things are going like they always have is because God put them there. God made the earth. He made the waters. You're also forgetting about that time He took the waters and drowned the whole earth. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as, mu- as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat? Seeing then that these things are going to come to pass, what manner, of, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Peter's saying, you know what's going to happen. You know that a day is coming when destruction is going to fall on the earth. And if we know that, how do you think we ought to walk? How do you think we ought to live? you think we ought to just do as we please? Today, we feast, dine, eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow we die. Is that how we're going to do it? Peter said, you know what's going to happen. You know the Lord's going to call us out, but you know this, destruction's coming, and if you know that, how do you think you ought to live? We need God to reach in our lives and fix the things that are broken. And can I tell you, there's a lot of things broken in our lives. We need God to feel our distresses. And and when we hurt and when we cry out to Him, we need Him to hear us and to help us. We need Him to forgive our debts. We need Him to forgive us when we fail Him. We need Him to save sinners. Amen. We need to understand, He is God. He did make this. He made it. He spoke the world and the sun and stars and the seas into existence. And one day, He's going to pour fire out on us. So how ought we to live? Well, I'll tell you how we ought not live. Like we don't have a care in the world. We ought not live like what we do doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. 
What we do matters to God. We need His power. We need His power. We need His power in our lives to help us. We need it. I'm afraid that in this busy, busy life we lead, we've always got something going on. We've always got something to do or something to say and somewhere to be. But we forget that we're only here because He put us here. We only live because He lets us live. We only have because He lets us have. It's His world. It's His time. We're just borrowing. We're stewards. We're not owners of anything. We need to wake up and seek His power. That's all said. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.